Aren't we missing something? Spiritually, I mean. And the answer is probably yes. For some of us, we're missing something because we've never really experienced a true taste of maybe who God is and what he offers us. For others of us, we're missing something because we're, we're not digging in. We're, we're not withdrawing on the account that God has established for us in Jesus' name. So before we get any further, dig into this passage, let me, let me offer a word of prayer. Father, uh, here we are, your people gathered in your name in this place or in this space watching you and watching this and uh, we're doing so because we're offering all that we know of ourselves to all that we know of you and we want to hear from you. So we pray in Jesus' name that you would begin to uh, remind us, open up to us the vast riches that are available to us because of what you have done in Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that you would inspire us in this next season to dig in. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you seen the 2011 movie Limitless? It stars Bradley Cooper. Cooper plays a down-and-out writer who is deeply depressed, and he's very, very stuck overall in life and, and in his craft. He's, he's unable to produce any material the film does this interesting thing during the, those scenes. It's the, the scene is, is muted and, and kind of grayed visually, the lighting in the scene. And along the way, we learn that Cooper has lost his wife who just can't watch him self-destruct any longer and waste his life and, and his potential, so she leaves him. Spoiler alert, then his brother-in-law introduces him to a new drug which awakens the mind. It literally allows the user to tap into the full potential of the brain. And when he takes the drug, the lighting and the scenes, the camera work gets extremely vibrant and bright. And, and Cooper's character, he goes on a productivity rampage. As he, he, as he learns what the drug does and as he takes more of it, he not only finishes his novel, which is brilliant, by the way, but he learns other languages. He learns to play the piano almost overnight. He can access everything he's ever read or heard or seen instantly, and he gathers new information at a blinding pace. Eventually, he figures out the stock market, and this last piece allows him to make an insane amount of money in a very short period of time, leading to all other kinds of shenanigans. So the film is fictional, in case you're getting excited. There is no such drug. But it does offer an interesting illustration of our spiritual lives, many of us. Many of us who are Christians live our lives in a muted kind of grayed out way. We're not accessing all that God offers us. We're not experiencing what Jesus calls abundant living. We're not, we're not living fruitful lives. So I thought it would be helpful for us to explore that for a couple of weeks with this series we're calling Being Rich, Living Poor. And today, we're going to look at the question, are we missing something? And we're going to start in a kind of an odd place, as I said. To get us started, let's look real quickly at the core requests from the passage that Michelle read for us. And I hope you're looking along with me. The core requests are three. Verse 17, that Christ would dwell, dwell in our hearts. 
verse 18, that we would grasp the love of Christ, and verse 19, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, I want to dig into each of those a bit, but I want to start with a question that's, that's a bit mysterious. Um, don't we already have these things? By the way, I'm not the only one to ask this question. John Calvin, who's perhaps the greatest theologian in Christian history, asked this question of this passage. And so did Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a world-famous Welsh pastor from the mid-20th century. Aren't the things that Paul prayed for here things that are already true of our lives, by definition as a Christian? If you look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, and Dean put that one up for us, look at this, and I hope you're reading this online, which is his body and look at how it defines his body. And Paul seems to indicate that we are already are the fullness of God. And, and don't we know the love of Christ? How could you be a Christian otherwise? And in chapter 2 of this same letter of Ephesians, Paul talks at length about how we are, quote, in him. That's in Christ. We are completely united with him. He goes out of his way, in fact, to talk about how united we are with all people who are united with him and united together in him. So doesn't Christ already dwell in our hearts? I mean, we are united with him. So why pray what is already a reality for us? I want you to imagine that Coach Dawson, uh, at his, who's the football coach here at John Champ High School, he's gathering the football team at Thursday's practice this week, and he says to them, hey, man, I want you to be part of this team. They could be forgiven for being a little confused. Coach, aren't we already part of the team? But if we dig into the substance of the prayer a little bit, we get a hint as to why Paul might be praying for what is already true for us. So let's poke at the details. His first request, remember, is that Christ would dwell in our hearts. And I hope you follow along in the Bible at this point. Paul reminds us that this indwelling comes out of God's glorious riches. Look at verse 16. I mean, God is really rich. Psalm 50 tells us that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, literally. The more we learn about the vastness of the universe, the more we learn how rich our God is. And out of his glorious riches, Paul prays that God would strengthen us with power. That's his phrase. Now, that's an interesting phrase related to the topic of the indwelling of Christ, isn't it? At least it is to me. When I hear the phrase, Christ dwells in my heart, I think of something that's like intimate and, and emotional. But Paul is praying about this robust, brave heart kind of indwelling that arises from being strengthened with God's power. That out of his glorious riches, we might be strengthened with power through his spirit and in our inner being, he says. And you see that phrase, inner being? He's talking about being strengthened with God's power deep inside our personal space. This is not something that's dependent on circumstance. This is not something dependent on the opinions of others. This is not something dependent on performance. We will be, Paul prays, strengthened with power in our inner being through his spirit so that Christ may dwell in our hearts. And look at the very last phrase, through faith. We access all of this through faith. We believe it. Okay. 
So when we hear all of that, when we hear the muscularity of Paul's request, we've got to think, all right, maybe I don't have all of that. Maybe I'm not experiencing all of that. I mean, I believe Christ is dwelling in me, but, but maybe not like all of that. That's request number one. Then for request number two, Paul prays that we would grasp the love of Christ. Some translations render that comprehend the love of Christ. Others translate that understand the love of Christ. And this comprehension starts with what? It, it starts with being rooted and established in love. And that is in his love, of course. We talked about this part last week. We, we talked about how our spiritual life is a living thing. It grows. In fact, Jesus compared the spiritual life to a seed planted in us. And if a seed takes root and if it's, if it's nourished, it will grow. It will produce what is inside the seed. So because we were rooted and established in his love, that's how we got our, our, our start spiritually. Well, it follows that we will grow in that love. We will grow in our experience of it and in our understanding of it and our grasping of it. But as we said last week, that this only happens fully in community. It's, it's together with the saints that we, together with God's holy people, that we fully grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And this is pretty epic. If you look down one verse, you'll see that Paul admits that this love is in a sense surpassing knowledge. We can't even know it. I mean, he talks about understanding his love. This is not a small thing. And understanding it, really understanding it, changes us. That's why Paul prays for it this way. I sometimes will talk about my family on Sunday mornings, and they, they're tormented by this, so I warned Diane that I was going to do this. But those of you who know my wife, Diane, she's lovely. She's also uh, the sweetest person I've ever known. Incredibly sweet kind, gentle. If you know her, you know that about her. I want you to know I've lived with her since 1830, and it's always the same in every circumstance, no matter who she's around. I've come to describe Diane's sweetness, because when you use a phrase like that, oh, she's sweet, you kind of think of that as, oh, that's cute. You know, she's sweet. But Diane's sweetness is a force of nature, it literally, I have seen her sweetness change the atmosphere of a workplace. I've seen Diane go into a workplace that was mildly toxic. And after months of experiencing Diane's sweetness, the, the, the odor in the room is different. It's changed. I've been changed because of living under the influence of Diane's consistent, persistent, forceful sweetness. So it is with understanding the love of Christ, only infinitely more so. Everything changes when we really experience his love for us. I'm not talking about being more religious. I'm not talking about doing good things. I'm not talking about being a good person, even being part of a church. I'm talking about grasping the love of Christ, it changes us. And when we hear Paul describe the vastness of this love, he exhausts descriptors, doesn't he? I mean, when we hear this, we have to think, maybe we haven't experienced all of that. I mean, why is Paul praying 
for what we already have, well, maybe we don't have it to the full, or maybe, maybe we don't often access it. Then comes the third request, that we would be filled with God. Or literally, he prays that we would be, quote, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Or as another translation puts it, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I want to repeat that last phrase. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. All right, most of you, I imagine, have read the biographies of Jesus, or some of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If even a fraction of the encounters that they relate are even partially true, then, (laughs) whoa. I say that because in the biographies, we get a picture of what it looks like for the fullness of God to walk around. What happens when the fullness of God stumbles onto a deeply wounded, distrustful, and manipulative woman who is an utter outcast from her community? We'll read John 4 because it's incredible. Restoration, healing, and change happen. What happens when the fullness of God comes up against a deep spirit of legalistic religion? It's not pretty. The religious spirit, as the kids used to say in the 90s, gets served. It's, it's like it's a 10-second flat-on-their-back count countdown. It's a knockout. Unvarnished, incredibly courageous truth is what happens. What happens when the fullness of God meets blindness or paralysis or all kinds of sickness? The kingdom of God happens. Healing is released. It's crazy stuff. And Paul prays that we would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Are you kidding me? Many of you know uh, Rob Showers. Rob is one of our elders, and Rob and I went to college together. This was before Diane and I, so this was in the 1820s. Rob is much older than I am, though. And uh, Rob and I have been friends for uh, all of those years, uh, in fact, there was a period of my spiritual life kind of reigniting, coming back to Christ, uh, that Rob was involved with, invited me into uh, a Bible study that uh, there were just four of us. And it, 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 uh, I changed as a function of this. I fell in love with the scripture. I fell in love with community in that context. And throughout that period of our lives, Rob and I began what would be a lifetime of asking one another, why aren't we seeing this all the time in our lives? Look at what happened to Jesus. And look, if you're a follower of Christ, you should be bugged by that. Paul prays that we, pause for dramatic effect, that we would be filled to the full measure of God. When God walked around with skin on, it was crazy. So why is Paul praying for us for things that we already, by definition as a Christian, have? Well, because it's possible for Christians to live their lives without experiencing anywhere near the riches that God offers us. 
It's possible for Christians to live with a great deal of purposelessness. It's possible for Christians to live inauthentically with a kind of hollowness. It's possible for Christians to live their lives without any real, dynamic, ongoing sense of connection to God, without a relationship that regularly feeds them. It's possible for Christians to live ineffectively and to carry sin patterns for long periods of time. One of the reasons for this is because we have failed to move the truths that Paul prays for into our hearts and our experience. They have remained for us concepts that we believe in in a somewhat detached way. But Paul prays that these great truths would become real for us because Paul knows that when these things become real for us, we will be changed. Our hearts, our actions, our choices, the lighting on every scene in our lives will become more vibrant. We will come to life. He wants us to get it. And he prays because he knows Don't miss this. He knows that he can't make this happen for anybody else. Paul knows that he can't even make this happen for himself, but he knows God can, so he prays. Are we missing something? I hope not, but I suspect that for some of us, the answer is yes, because we've, for some of us, we've never really experienced what Paul prays for here. I want you to think of the difference between staring at pictures of the Grand Canyon versus hiking down into it and going for a rafting trip down the Colorado River. Some of us have never really been there. Um, Blaise Pascal was a, a, a Christian believer and a philosopher. He's, he's widely considered one of the greatest minds in human history. When he died, it was discovered that Pascal had sown a piece of paper into the lining of his coat. It was a description of an experience that Pascal had one night earlier in his life. He described it like this. Listen to this. Quote, In the year 1654, Monday, 23rd November, from about half past 10 in the evening until half an hour after midnight, fire, all caps. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, and not of the philosophers nor the learned. Certainty, period. Feeling, period. Joy, period. Peace, period. Now, Pascal had believed in God. He had practiced Christian religion. But something changed on Monday night, November 23rd. I like the way Pastor Tim Keller described it. He says, Pascal now, quote, knew in his heart what he had only known in the abstract until then, end quote. Some of us have never experienced what Pascal experienced, so we have not truly been empowered in our inner being through his spirit so that Christ may really dwell in our hearts. We have not grasped and and been rocked by and changed by the vastness of God's love. And and we have not tasted the fullness of God in our experience, in our lived lives. If that's true for you, I'm honored. Seriously, I'm honored that you're contemplating that here. 
I'm honored you've chosen to check this out with us. And I've, I've prayed for you. If I could do more, if I could make this experience happen for you, I would. But this comes through faith as you open yourself up to God. For others of us, we've had similar experiences in our lives. Incredibly so. Now, for many of us, our experiences haven't been quite as dramatic as Pascal's, but for others of us, maybe more so. We have Christ dwelling in our hearts. We've tasted the very edge of the dynamic vastness of Christ's love together with the saints. And we've sensed at times the very fullness of God. Are we missing something? Probably yes. We are people who have had a fortune deposited in our account because we have a generous God and we have spent long periods of time without making any withdrawals on that account. Hudson Taylor was a 19th century Christian uh, British missionary to China. And Taylor once said that the key to our happiness was finding the joy of the Lord every day. Sounds simple, but uh, literally, Taylor advocated for allowing enough time in your schedule at the beginning of every day to experience the joy of the Lord. Taylor would not engage with his schedule until he had tasted God's goodness and gotten in touch with what God has for him. Sometimes it took a great deal of time. But this was so important to Hudson's success and happiness that he would give it. He would give whatever time it took, believing that this was the most important thing in his schedule for the day. I don't know about you, but I'm too busy for that. Wait, what? I don't really believe that. But I actually must believe that because that's the way I live. I live like I'm too busy for that. I'm too busy to make adequate withdrawals on what God has deposited in my life. And so, why should I be surprised when it seems like I'm missing something? Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk more about what we're missing and how to access it. And this is so critically important for us. This is, this is one of those topics I wish I could jump up and down enough or shout loud enough or say really terrible things that children shouldn't hear enough or be dramatic enough to ensure that it takes hold of us. But I can't. Our experience of this depends entirely on the movement of God and our receptivity to it. Our experience of this depends entirely on the movement of God and our receptivity to it. But we're entering a brand new season. Fall, turning over new leaves, new notebook, fresh start. This is, this is a perfect time. Look, I know we're coming off of an exceedingly weird time, and I know COVID is still raging, but that, that doesn't stop us from experiencing what Paul prays for here. We need this now more than ever. Our current circumstances do not stop us from accessing the deposit that God has placed in us. Our current circumstances do not stop us from accessing the deposit that, that God has placed in us. 
All right, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up if they would. And I'm going to read again the passage that uh, Michelle read for us. But I'm going to add to it the, the next two verses in Ephesians chapter 3. If you're looking at your Bible, I, I hope you'll follow along with me. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We get our, we get our name, we get our stuff, we get our good, we get our character. We get our, we get our, what, our go forward from him, from his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And listen to this. He can't help himself, can he? He ends the passage like this. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. That's us. He's praying for us. Forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we want all that you have for us. I recently uh, heard someone saying that they um, one time experienced your love and your joy and so much so they asked you to stop because they felt like they were going to die. It was so overwhelming. <laughs> we want to experience you like that. And maybe we're missing that. So, uh, come Lord Jesus come Holy Spirit fill your church bring us to life um, we pray that Christ would dwell in our hearts that we would together with all the Lord's people grasp the incredible vastness of your love and and that we would be filled to the full measure of God, that we would be your life and your power walking around with skin on. In Jesus' name we pray.